Green plastic watering can For a fake Chinese rubber And a fake plastic girl Welcome everybody to episode 143 of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features David and Ben. And uh, this week we're talking about Praxius. The sixth episode of series 12. Yeah. What is a Praxius? It was a virus, I believe. It's yeah, a... it's, it's, I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a real thing. I looked it up, but it's not a real thing. It's a made up word. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a real thing, though. This is a co-written episode, Chris Chibnall and Pete Mateeg, or Tig. Yeah, I was expecting there to be more kind of, I don't know, revelations and things. Um, I was expecting to have more with the Joe Martin doctor, actually, and there wasn't, wasn't, wasn't anything. That wasn't even mentioned, there was no no mention of that, as if that had never happened. Though I guess, Mm -hmm. um, I guess the doctor is concealing it from her companions, so, um. Or is she? Yes, she is concealing from her companions. Yeah. For reasons best known to themselves. So, so um, maybe talk about that first. It seemed to me that this was a little bit of a letdown after last week. I was expecting them to go full bore into exploring this timeless child, the Death Scarves of Doom or Prophetic Scarves of Doom and uh, all this stuff, uh, Dr. Ruth and none of it. Yeah, I was expecting then that made it a bit disappointing really. I mean, we had so many, you know, we had a recurring monster, we had Captain Jack coming back, we had mm-hmm. like a whole new regeneration of the doctor. It was just like bam 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 new stuff last week and this th- this week's episode as good as it might very well have been mm-hmm. kind of sort of paled a little bit for me, yeah. I think. Yeah. It seemed like, a little mm. pre-fugitive of Jadoon. It might have been good after uh Nick Tesla's Night of Terror. Yeah. Cuz yeah, it, you it know, certainly didn't know. have any continuity. Yeah, I mean, you know, Captain Jack could have been, you know, I don't know, one of the officers on the American submarine or something. I don't know. <laughs> you could have just shuffled them around though. I don't see any reason why this couldn't have happened before fugitive of the judoon you know just keep keep them all the same yeah that's true that's true um maybe this was supposed to be a kind of refresher a kind of palette refresher before we whiz on to the concluding for how many it is four episodes of the um of the season or something i don't know yeah i'm not sure that's a good good idea though because you build up expectations and then dash them to me, you don't build up that energy, that excitement in Fugitive of the Jadoon and then just kind of let the air out of the balloon the following week. You don't, yeah. it's, not, it's not good audience capture, in my opinion. No, and I think, I think that's perfectly true. Um, but then, you know, let's face it, when has Jibnall been known for his <laughs> excellent instincts when it comes to that kind of pacing of a show? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, agree. I, I was like, ugh. You've kind of built us up to this, you know, frenzy of excitement mm-hmm. with all this stuff. And then, you know, it's, I mean, it was, a, don't get me wrong. It was a pretty good, pretty good episode. Mm-hmm. It was, certainly was good enough and it kept me amused, but it didn't have the kind of level of intensity. Right. Of the kind of, you know, as I said, this kind of rising climax of um, mm-hmm. <laughs> revelation. 
It did follow a Chibnall template where he has this far-flung world geography with Peru, Madagascar, Hong Kong, much like the opening or in Resolution where everything is um, yeah, in three like... different locations coming together. Uh, it's it's almost formulaic uh, Chibnall. Uh, the nice thing, I think, with it is uh, splitting up the companions uh, gave each a little bit to do on their own. Yeah. It did give them a little yeah. bit to do. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan's off collecting dead birds, Joy. <laughs> and <laughs> Graham and Yaz are investigating his Hong Kong energy source. And then Hong, and then in Hong Kong, Yaz uh, petitions to stay behind and do a little of her own doctoring. Yeah, which so a couple of things I thought were weird there. One of which, you know, this Jake fellow is you know supposed to be some kind of ex policeman. Which is great. Yaz is going to be able to do some policing. Yeah, like, like, it's like great. Yaz is going to be able to bond with the Jadoon. But again, they kind of <laughs> refuse to let, let let Yaz actually be a policeman. Yeah, yeah. of any kind. And then you know, when has the Doctor like let a companion like just like randomly stay behind? and pick up some equipment that's just asking mm. for trouble i mean you know come on mm. well anyway but I mean, she didn't I'm, get in trouble <laughs> i mean couldn't they not just had like yaz like left behind by mistake maybe she could have she could have twisted her ankle like running <laughs> and, could and, could have been i think yeah. well i think that yes. showed a little bit of character development or character moment for yaz that she of all the companions is looking to be the apprentice to the doctor more than anything Ooh. else. She is trying to uh, win brownie points. I think that's what she's getting. You know, when stars are awarded, she's always excited that she gets the star. Or she gets the right answer. Huh. Uh, so I think she's, I think she's trying to be uh, like the doctor. This is, may be a retread of the Clara type character line, maybe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. Yep. No, I'll, 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 I'll agree with that. Yep. Okay. That's good okay. enough for me. Yep. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she didn't um, get herself in trouble at all. I mean, she, she and Gabriella uh, uh, teleported themselves onto the uh, plastics ship or whatever Suki ship, and yeah, I mean, she got in a little bit of trouble. I mean, getting teleported underneath the Indian Ocean mm-hmm. is a little bit, little bit troubling. Um, but, I she mean, did need thing... the doctor to bail her out. Yeah, it's a good thing that the, the doctor had invented these like special instantaneous communicating <laughs> devices, which basically, um, uh, I felt those were. I, I, so I mean, I, I guess I get the chib thing where like you know you got to have this kind of world-spanning mm-hmm. um, thing, right? Um, because it's obviously... sold worldwide now. Yeah, and you know we've got to. Um, you know, next week we're going to be in medieval Aleppo and we're going to be in Sheffield, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The fact that they can like instantaneously communicate and also kind of instantaneously be by each other's side across the entire planet kind of negates that actually being a thing, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you can literally just kind of walk to the other side of the room and all of a sudden you've moved from Madagascar to Hong Kong. Right. Um, I suppose that's... It's time travel. It's time that's, and space travel. That's I guess. In, you know immediate, like you know immediate, uh, you know dematerialization, traveling, etc. Yeah, I guess. But it, anyway, it's back to the doctor being the uh, the intergalactic uh, Uber driver through space and time for the fam. Though it's it's yeah. really she's the bus driver of uh, getting these people, getting her fam to where they need to go to move on to the next uh, clue in the adventure. Yeah, the doctors. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. It's it's 
return to more of that kind of magic that we had with with Moffat, where you know it's basically mm-hmm. just happens sort of thing. So at the beginning, I was a bit perplexed why they decided uh, Gabriella and Jamila decided to camp in a garbage dump. That just was nonsensical to me at all. Why why they would do that? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff about them that really didn't make a huge amount of sense. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I get the, uh, I mean, they were introducing the concept of plastic pollution, right? That was mm-hmm. the, that was which the is, which, which message I thought was, of the day. Yeah, which I thought was done very well. I thought the plastic pollution thing was in, was handled a lot more uh, convincingly than in Orphan 55, because mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was more kind of, you know, integral to the story. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, it's more integral to the story, um, but yeah, you know, she's showing they're they're kind of travel vloggers. Is vlogging even still a thing? I don't know. Anyway, they're travel vloggers. Mm-hmm. They're going to see an amazing river in Peru. Bam! There it is. I don't know. It's covered with plastic because people are ugly. Mm-hmm. Let's just camp there anyway. Mm-hmm. And then the birds will infect my girlfriend with. Prax, Praxius virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, uh, I've forgotten her name. Um, Brazilian girl. Um, what's she called? Gabriella. Gabriella got over the death of her girlfriend very, <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. I think she was traveling partner. I don't know if it was implied that she was the girlfriend. Oh, no. I, I picked up girlfriend. I oh, picked okay. up girlfriend, I'm afraid. Mm. Uh, but, you know, in the end, it was like, ho, ho, I know I've got some new traveling companions. Mm-hmm. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah, um, that so, was yeah. a little bit. So too... maybe they actually, so, so maybe they weren't, they, maybe they weren't partners. Maybe they yeah. just didn't. I don't know. Maybe they didn't re- really like each other that much. So, <laughs> Well, they've been traveling for five years together, so. That's true. They had to have liked each other a little bit. I a little think. bit. Anyway, but she was a little bit. She was a little bit dismissive. I think of the horror. But I think this is very uh, typical of Pete Mateeg's writing of character, where they just kind of move on. You got to move on. Yeah. I mean, if you're involved in the world of the Doctor, especially if you're not a main character, <laughs> just gotta, you just gotta suck it up. One of you is going to be dead, mm-hmm. so you may yeah. just hope it isn't yourself. I think it was too many characters again this week. It, it doesn't work with this many characters for me when you have the crowded TARDIS. It's you get that awkward ending, and I thought halfway through it that with uh, two girls rambling on or whatever. Uh, the name of the video blog was that Yaz was auditioning for the new sidekick or the new companion to Gabriella, and they would continue on with that. But mm, I guess not. Yeah, I almost got the impression that Yaz was going to was maybe going to be leaving or something. Yeah, but that that, that, that seemed very uh, with her wanting to stay behind and get the teleport device or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but um, I guess that didn't happen. So mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, yeah. Mm. <laughs> It's probably yeah. not the right right place in the story arc for it with uh, the destruction of Gallifrey and the Timeless Child. But that's really, really the Doctor's story. Yaz, other than being a member of her time team, doesn't really have much much to do with it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And again, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm kind of going on about this a bit too much. I again was, I mean, I, I, I was disappointed that it wasn't the autumn. It wasn't the Autons. <laughs> well, the Autons were name-checked, though. They were name-checked, so that was... The... I was also disappointed. Like, you're at the bottom of the ocean, someone's kidnapped a submarine, there's kind of mesh hanging around all over the place. Mm-hmm. Come on, Sea Devils. Mm-hmm. Come on, Sea Devils. Sea Devils. It would be would have been totally within their MO. Like, everyone knows that the 
Eocenes are great with concocting viruses that mm -hmm. destroy things. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that they'd be really, really irritated to wake with up the and discover their, <laughs> discover their ocean polluted with plastic. You know, come on, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that misbeat there, at least for classic fans, it would have been nice to see the Sea Devils. On the other hand, though, is this the first in modern Doctor Who where we don't really have an alien or a robot or any kind of baddie it's the the aliens are human human looking as uh, as human looking as you can be i got the i mean maybe i was maybe i'm wrong i got the impression that they deliberately infected earth in some way they did you know so, yes. that, that, so they are villains then they are villains but they are not we don't have a monster we don't have uh, some, someone in a rubber okay, suit yeah, we don't have monstrous. a new alien race Right, they're monstrous. They're not monsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Um, yeah, I mean, they could have given her like a ridged forehead or something like <laughs> like like Star Trek, or maybe webbed fingers, or that know. plastic form. It was pretty gruesome, gruesome makeup job. They could have that could have been their natural form too. Yeah, yeah. Or well, I don't know. She could have like taken off her top or something. She was all like gnarly underneath. Hmm. Um, it was, you know, she's like, we have to save ourselves. Anyway, so yeah, that take, was taking off, taking off tops is probably not something that's going to happen in Doctor Who. That is true. That is true. <laughs> yes, that's, I, I should have, I should, I should rephrase that. Maybe she could have uh, rolled up her sleeves or hmm. something. Yeah. So I, again, you know, I, it's a shame. I mean, I, I, I guess the downside was they would have had to have explained like what the sea devils were and that would have taken an extra you know five minutes of time mm -hmm. and then you know it's always hard to sort of explain away the sea devils and the and the well the eocenes in general because they've right. always got if i was they've either got to go back into hiding mm -hmm. or you've got to kill them all mm -hmm. um and that takes time right. so i can see the reason why they didn't do it uh -huh. It did make it kind of torchwoody, the whole thing, though. You know, this just kind of sort of nebulous threat yep. to the planet that a, t that a team of people have to you know, address, which I suppose really fits in with them. Um, Chibnall. Chibnall, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And another thing I didn't understand is, was the hospital in Valencia evacuated because of the virus? That they were just, the doctors and the staff were all freaked out, so they just let this corpse in the quarantine area and dead birds good, in the hallway good question good question um no i think it was just so it was more scary yeah which is yeah. not cool yeah. narratively in my opinion it's like a scary hospital basically what the people in hospital are like how do we make our hospital more scary mm -hmm. let's all leave so that when someone comes to find this girl that we found then they'll also be scared yeah Hmm. Yeah, doesn't yeah. make sense. You're yeah. right, doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, I guess, I mean, what I, I mean, hmm, what was I thinking at the time when I was watching it? I guess I vaguely assumed that everyone had fled in horror um, yeah. while leaving all the lights and kind of life support systems turned on. But evacuate all the patients and it just, bleh, it, did, yeah, it didn't work for me. It reminded me go. of uh, Spyfall Part 1 where we had the uh, secret agent in MI6 under life support system or something like that. Oh, yeah, it was very similar to that, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we had teleportation again, and it seems like this this Series 12 is all about convenient teleportation to move between here and there. Yeah, well, as I was saying, I mean, the easier it is for you to communicate and across great distances and, and move across great distances, the less there's any point to having a great distance if the great distance doesn't really 
provide you with any you know obstacle. barrier yeah obstacle to doing what you need to do it's kind mm-hmm. of like well why bother to even do it then mm-hmm. yeah 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 mm. and another thing i didn't understand is who sent the text message to jake was it adam supposedly who sent the text message yeah so he was he was all strapped up by yeah. the by the aliens uh-huh. in his spacesuit but luckily he had his phone just kind of tucked inside his spacesuit maybe an apple watch probably or something oh yeah and then he was able to like just pull his arms in uh-huh. just from his so it looked like his hands were still there because the suit was there but it actually had his t- had his hands tucked inside his chest uh-huh. and then he was able to quickly send a text message uh-huh. so the aliens uh, got astronaut adam Yep. As their guinea pig. Yep. Instead of <laughs> instead of other people who weren't as high profile and probably no. wouldn't be as missed. And no one was looking for Adam Lang anyways, the astronaut. No, no, no. They deliberately decided to pick the most high profile person possible uh-huh. to experiment on. And as they were experimenting on him, they just sort they just leave him in his spacesuit. They didn't take the spacesuit off him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that allowed him to do to do a quick text message to his to his husband. Ah, okay, so yeah. okay, yeah. good. Makes it makes a huge amount of sense. It writes itself. It all ties oh, yeah, together. Yeah. It practically <laughs> writes itself. There's no effort here at all. It literally it just writes itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the other question I have is: okay, if you destroy a U.S. submarine at mm-hmm. the bottom of the Indian Ocean, because mm-hmm. I guess they were underneath the garbage gyre and came to the right. alien spaceship, is it possible for one? <laughs> one sailor to surface from the bottom of the indian ocean yeah it is completely possible oh yeah. okay all right uh, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm being sarcastic um, so yeah so all the sailors bar in one the submarine get infected by the praxius mm-hmm. virus mm-hmm. because they surface their submarine like a bird lands on ah, the submarine a seagull a seagull a seagull or an albatross mm-hmm. an albatross or an a albatross turn? a turn or turn, yeah, or a blue-footed booby. There we go. I think uh, it was the boobies. It was a blue-footed booby lands on their top, on the top, the top bit of the submarine that sticks out. Mm-hmm. Gets them, gives them all Praxius virus. They Sur- then submerge, fall to the bottom of the ocean. Okay, but as they fall down, one sailor jumps out through the special hole they have in the submarine that you can jump out of, <laughs> and that's and then he gets washed ashore to. To Madagascar, all the way to Madagascar, mm-hmm. and that's how it happens. Yeah, again, and, it writes yeah, itself. Again, practically <laughs> writes itself. Oh, um, what was what was the point of him again? Just to show us what happens when you get taken over by this evil virus? Yeah, just say it was too yes. late, or they were already on the ship, or something like that. I really don't know what was the point, other than didn't Moffat steal a submarine in Pyramida at the end of the world? Yeah. So this is, I think, Chibnall. <laughs> Just going one, but so one what, more. What, 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 what did the Praxius aliens do with the rest of the crew of the submarine? Uh, I use them as guinea pigs. I, yeah, I, maybe they had the virus. I don't know if they were even really technically involved with the submarine, other than the Praxius virus. And I guess this virus, this pathogen, is intelligent. I suppose. And knew that the doctor was onto it. It was a smart infection, which. A little bit of a, a invisible enemy with the swarm, nucleus yeah. of the swarm. Oh, maybe it's related to the nucleus of the swarm. Could be. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been really awesome. cool if they would have said contact has been made. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just the little things like that makes mm-hmm. people like us very, very happy. But anyway, 
I wasn't just just whizzing back to the bird. I wasn't very impressed with the animatronic bird. That took me straight back to survival. I'm afraid yeah, of the, the cat. animatronic cat. Surely, in the this this day of the days of wonder that we currently live in with special effects, mm-hmm. they could have um, I don't know just CGI'd in a sick bird, a puppet, a, just a puppet a Jurassic bird? like puppet, <laughs> or just like got a bird. I mean, birds aren't that hard to get hold of. Like just I don't know, made it sick or something. <laughs> I don't know. You'd get in trouble for that, but you really. Could have done it like with a puppet or. How about a chicken that someone was just about to kill and eat? I think you'd still be in trouble sick. for that. I think oh, really? you'd still, yeah. I oh, think okay. I th- you right. want to be cruel for. You should not be cruel to animals for the sake of entertainment. Right. But you can be cruel to them for the sake of tastiness, though. Uh, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so the animatro- animatronic uh, bird was a bit. Crapsius? Yeah. And it, well, what was it doing? <laughs> Telling us that, I don't know, the birds were kind of sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm guessing this is an homage to Hitchcock's The Birds. Yeah, couldn't they've had some other evil animals that be taken out? Could they have the like, evil turtles? Maybe, maybe like an evil whale. Well, they, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, I think it was tying in with the birds were eating all the plastic, so their bowels. Yeah, or but their like guts whales and off. whales and turtles and things eat plastic and get all sick, don't yeah. they? Yeah, but it'd be hard to have a whale attack uh, a girl on a river in the middle of peru that's true that's true huh yeah but anyway yeah i yeah i suppose we're kind of nitpicking here a little bit but um well there's a lot of nits to pick at in this one i think yeah it, you're right it did have a kind of a you know the episodes with the evil with the with the monkeys or the monks in them that whole kind of like ah and then another thing mm. happens mm-hmm. it's it felt a little bit messy. telling it was all very telling that showing i think yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, it was yeah, said you know it had a kind of torchwood, and I thought it was very well directed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it had a good kind of pacey energy to it, director wise. I thought Bradley Walsh had some really good acting when he was talking to Adam. And... That's that. That's the doctor's job, though, isn't it, to have that conversation with Adam? Mm, it's Graham's job in this series. The doctor's well, kind yeah, of. I'm... Yeah, yes, yeah, it's Graham's Graham's job currently, but I, I, I personally traditionally, feel that sort of, yeah, traditionally it's the doctor who takes people mm-hmm. away and says, you know, oh, be brave, or you know, right. um, I fought some terrible things, Zoe, blah blah blah, yeah, um, Victoria, yeah. sorry, yeah, that's the, the doctor should be doing that. It, it shouldn't be Graham's job, but the doc, Bradley the doctor, Walsh does it really well. I think he does do it well. Yeah, that's true. He does and do it well. he's had that had that loss where. When uh, Adam was saying, do you know what it's like to be married to someone so uh, impressive? And uh, Graham doesn't really say anything, but you can kind of see in his facial expressions that he was thinking of Grace. And yeah, you know, I, I, I thought, you know, the the character bit that he was given was pretty well. The Of all the uh, fam who got short shrift, it was, again, Ryan, who didn't have much to do other than uh, he did have a funny line where, uh, Gabrielle, after patting him down, seeing if he had a weapon, thought he was in shape. And Ryan says, "Yeah, I do a lot of running." I thought that was good for a Doctor Who companion. <laughs> that's a, it's the Doctor Who exercise regime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was a good line. Um, you know, the Doctor giving him the job of like dissecting the bird was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't make any sense to me, to be honest. 
She should have just said, cut open this gut. I want to see if there's something inside or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, something a little less kind of imagining that Ryan's got some kind of, you know, dissecting skills, which he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Well, in Woman to Fell to Earth, Ryan was kind of more scientific and thinking and believing in aliens and that type of stuff. So it was nice to see uh, that kind of potential in him, but they haven't explored it between series 11 episode one and now about ryan's curiosity or his uh his scientific bent yeah so yeah it's 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 kind of a thread that was quickly lost and now we're picking it up and it's implausible now it just doesn't we need what we need to do we need to get rid of a companion i mean it doesn't mean they have to die though that would be nice well they can't die because uh, can't they why not well the doctor just rescued him uh adam adam at the end well that is, i mean that, that's true yeah no the, yeah. As she 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 must not have liked adric that is the only thing <laughs> i was thinking during that well i mean let's face it uh no one really liked adric that much so it's like <laughs> fine yeah dinosaurs that that that'll that's that's good off he goes mm-hmm. yeah no i mean that i i kind of picked up on that one as well it's like well if that if it's that easy to rescue someone for an exploding spaceship then you know it's not just adric but it's the bloke who blows up the dalek spaceship in um the end of death to the daleks yes it's the bloke who blows up the you know the wirren spaceship at the end of ark and space it's all of the self-sacrificing explodey spaceship people basically mm-hmm. so i guess they didn't they didn't have the tardis he didn't he didn't have the tardis in ark and space yeah he did yeah yeah did he? he did yeah they oh they did no the they tardis. did i'm sorry yeah, it was, yeah. It, right yeah 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 they did they did they did and it was and he, it was he was punched uh at the airlock or something and dragged into the airlock when they were going to release the bolts to let the rocket go or something yeah ark and space so it's slightly different he wasn't in the TARDIS at the time that uh, the death occurred. So that's true. Okay. You know, perhaps going back and saving Rogan would have been, uh, well, it's all fantasy, anyways. <laughs> it is. It is. But I, I, I mean, you know, we we do sort of have established um, rules in Doctor Who that when someone has decided to sacrifice themselves by flying a spaceship somewhere, mm-hmm. you can't just save them. Mm-hmm. Even if like their weeping husband is on board the TARDIS, going like no, right? Um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, I think it would be better mm-hmm. if he died. Well, I don't know about that, but Pip Medley on Twitter did do uh, a cut scene of the Doctor saving Adric with. Uh, oh, really? Oh, funny! That. I should look yeah, that up. I'll, I'll send that to you and uh, oh, put that in the show it. notes, but. More than one fan had that same thought that she must have not liked Adric at all <laughs> to no, save him. Yeah, because yeah, there was quite the opportunity to save Adric. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something that they've learned in the intervening years, the kind of technique of saving people from spaceships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she could go back and save him now. It is a time travel show. Uh, no, you can't change history, not one line. <laughs> Until you do. Until you do. <laughs> And I guess Ad- Adric's not Adric's not in the past. Adric's in the future. So, mm. um, oh well. But the, the trouble is, Adric would like would be old, old and wizened like Matthew Waterhouse is now. So that wouldn't work that well. <laughs> I thought he's rather jolly. He's a rather jolly fifty-year-old now. I think he is a jolly future. I'm just I'm I'm using the, I'm <laughs> using the phrase old and wizened just as just in contrast with his youthful youthful appearance. Ah, uh, yes. In the mid eighties, his childlike appearance. Childlike is yes, his open childlike yes. face. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you know, so I I said enjoyable enough Torchwood-style romp. 
I found myself getting bored pretty much by the time they hit the hospital. I was going, wow, that was yeah. This one is not doing it for me. I did, yeah. I don't know. It just didn't work for me very well at all. I mean, I I worked slightly better for me. I got bored (laughs) right round about the time when they were kind of wrapping the whole thing up, and I was finding that. A little too tedious in the TARDIS. Yeah. When they discovered the submarine underneath uh-huh. the ocean, they was like, well, that's a bit boring. Like, it's a submarine. Submarines are cool and interesting. Don't mm-hmm. just discover it. Have it be something that's special. And like, and then, like, where are the sea devils? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I started to lose lose the, lose the plot when um, Yaz said, I'm just going to go get this thing that I saw. I didn't mm-hmm. get it at the time. Mm-hmm. But I'll go and get it. And even though this is, I know you have a time machine, come back in an hour. Right. When actually you could come <laughs> back like instantly. Right. As soon as I've got it or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that just didn't make any sense to me. They were, they were struggling to make it all work. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that's why Chibnall got a co-writer credit because there was too, it was just too goofy with uh, the birds and the astronaut, ex-cop romance or marriage and you have the two girls traveling or roaming or it uh vlogging and then the aliens under the ocean and i think i think the guy who got who didn't even get acknowledged to have died the the black guy on the beach oh yeah he got eaten by the birds aramu i think was his character's name i liked him yeah (laughs) he was yeah he was good and no one acknowledged he was dead at all. And it's sort of like, well, if you can save Adam, can't you save Aramu too? Yeah. I mean, there's his horrible skeleton just lying on the beach all eaten by a bird. Yeah. Um, well, they don't, mean, we don't even see what happens to Well, him. I know. That's what I mean. I mean, yeah. presumably they, you know, we don't see it in shot, but in the story, the characters must have walked past his kind of like peck to death skeleton. Oh, look, there he is. Right. That's the guy. Uh, don't care about him. So, I mean, I, I think, um, I mean, we weren't happy with Kablam particularly, were we, though? Mm, not at all. You know, I think it, I think it's, I think elements of that have become sort of, you know, fan favorites, especially in your Kablam man and stuff. Um, so, yeah, Pete Mateague, you gotta, yeah, if you stop if, writing if, for the show. <laughs> if the, <laughs> stop writing for the show. If the chair has got to step in and give you a hand, mm-hmm. then, you know. Especially on something with no continuity at all. Exactly. That's not even, you know, you don't even bother to include the Sea Devils. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. just even with the series arc, there's just no continuity. There is no reason for Chibnall to be involved with this story other than uh, it needed help in some way. Yeah, yeah. Two strikes and you're out, McTeague. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's all I've got, really, I'm afraid. That's all yeah. I have. It was really kind of uh, a meh episode for me. And uh, I, I don't think it would have been better uh, in a different part. But you don't put this after the uh, Fugitive of the Jadoon with absolutely no reference to what what, what just happened. You, you have a cannon blowing up revelation and you're back to the Chibnall uh, write-by-number-type uh, story, it it doesn't work for me. Yeah, well, our, our expectations, you know, with Masters and New Doctors and Captain Jax's 
and re returning monsters. You know, our our expectations for this season are pretty high right now. Mm -hmm. And as you, again, completely correctly point out, you can't just then go back to a kind of season season 11 scarves. Of, I mean, the, the, the birds were like the scarves. They just kind of flapped around. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel oppressed by the birds particularly at any point. Um, I in fact I felt so unoppressed, unoppressed by them that you referencing Hitchcock's The Birds, I only to have heard and just realised that yeah, that's probably what they were trying to make us feel. It's like ooh, it's birds, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't feel that at all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Especially the, the animatronic animatronic bird, which I just thought was silly. You know. Yeah. 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 I think the strengths for this were that Yaz, Ryan, and Graham all had a little bit to do. It was nice to see them split up. And then I think it was nice to see the doctor being a science doctor again. That was another uh, yep. okay, bit, that, was good. bit yep. that I enjoy. I like the topic. I mean, plastic pollution is, uh, is real. real and significant. Birds are being affected by it. Uh, as 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 everything, but this story wasn't it for it for the plastic pollution story, the microplastics for me. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I'll just go back to my you know slightly facetious comment about turtles. I mean, it's not just black birds. It's not the kind of generic black, not even seabirds that are affected by plastic pollution. I mean, it's like basically all sea-borne creatures. Mm -hmm. And and again, you know, to not really even have these birds being a particular species. Yeah. I mean, well, the black birds would have been cormorants, I guess. Yeah, I guess they were cormorants. But I mean, again, at the beginning, I was I was like, well, are these alien birds of some kind? Why yeah. are they all behaving so weirdly? And right. why are they all the same bird? Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the cool things about the birds, um, after Hitchcock's The Birds, is they're all different kinds of birds. Mm -hmm. Good um, point. And, and obviously, you know, I know they have to, you know, it's the BBC and it's Doctor Who and it's, things have got to be cheap. So when you're CGIing a cloud of birds, they've all got to be the same. And right. of course, they've all got to be black because that's the easiest way to do it. But even then, you know, just throwing the odd albatross or, I don't know, like a penguin. They, have, they do have <laughs> Flying penguins. penguin. <laughs> well, they have penguins in South Africa. Maybe, so the, you know, some animatronic Something. penguins could have come waddling across the sands like trying to peck people with their little sharp beaks mm -hmm. yeah yeah or uh, some boobies yeah it just yeah okay yeah okay all right so we're done kind of leave yeah. it at that um yeah with, before uh, we all, go yeah i, I want to just mm -hmm. uh, mention the sad news that nicholas parsons has passed at age 96 oh. and Fans of the classic series will remember him as Reverend Wainwright in The Curse of Fenric. And fans of awesome things in general will know him as the quiz master of Just a Minute for mm. about 50 years or so. And if, mm. for people who have non, maybe non-British listeners to our podcast, I don't know who you are, but anyway, <laughs> um, if you've not heard Just a Minute, give it a go because it's the most hilarious radio quiz show basically ever developed mm -hmm. um and nicholas parsons like compared it for you know 45 years yes and you 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 know just a minute don't you yeah yeah it's a radio yeah. four panel game yeah it's fabulous it's amazing <laughs> it's so funny yes. and yes. uh and the fact that he was also in doctor who just makes it even more of a, a sad loss Yes. But again, as I think I was saying before we came on air, um, he was 96. Mm -hmm. So you he know, had a good run. He had a good innings, as we say yes. in Britain. Yes, yeah. there you go. So on to next week. Can you hear me? And I think that is it's about the boogeyman, it looks like. Yeah. And I, intriguingly, as I, I think I said, it's 
appears to be set partly in medieval Syria. Charlene James and Chris Chimno, it's another co-written one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, obviously, Syria, not the happiest place to currently to yeah. set a, a, a show, even though this is medieval Syria. Um, mm-hmm. I know a little bit about medieval Syria, so I will be watching closely to make okay. sure they get the details correct of, uh-huh. of 14th century Aleppo. Yes. Well, until then... I've been talking with Ben. And I've been talking with David. And uh, catch you in Aleppo. Aleppo. Bye. Farewell. to just a minute. Oh. oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Nicholas Parsons, and as the minute wars fades away, once more it is my huge pleasure to welcome our many listeners in this country and throughout the world, but also to welcome to this program four exciting, individual, provocative, intelligent, witty, clever performers who are going to show their verbal dexterity, their humorous ingenuity, as they try and speak on the subject that I give them, and they try and do that without hesitation, repetition, or deviation.